Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. You ready? Thanks for tuning in to the 14th episode on August 18th, 2020. Let's discuss the many faces of the philodendron. And this is just a reminder that you can find more on houseplant-homebody.com or follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC. And don't forget to join me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Let's dive in. Okay, first, when I originally thought about saying faces of philodendron, I immediately thought of Game of Thrones. Did anyone else think of that? I thought of Arya with like the faceless man and like the the hall of faces. If you haven't seen Game of Thrones, you should watch it. It's great. But that part's a little creepy. Anywho, the many faces of philodendron. That is what we'll be talking about today. So philodendron come in so many different shapes and sizes. It's crazy. A lot of people get them mistaken with sometimes monstera and sometimes pothos. So we're going to talk about the different varieties because a monstera looks nothing like a pothos, but but something that's shaped like a monstera and something that's shaped like a pothos are both philodendron. So we're going to be breaking it up based on the variety and we'll be talking about all of the characteristics for each variety. So it'll be kind of like three podcasts in one, three miniature podcasts in one. So that's how we're going to structure it here. I also want to point out before you start listening to this that if you struggle with houseplants, philodendron might be definitely the one to start for you because they are very, very underrated and how easy they are to take care of and how very tolerant they are of their environment that they're in. So in my experience, they're even easier than pothos just to put that in perspective and you don't have the tolerance to deal with some plants that are somewhat picky definitely go with the philodendron so the first philodendron we're going to go over is what's commonly known as the lacy tree philodendron or anchor philodendron so for you plant nerds out there this latin name is philodendron bipinatophyum that's a mouthful I had to say that like five times before I got that right, people. I did not do that on the first try. (laughs) And also for you other plant nerds out there that are like, but wait, this is no longer a philodendron. It's been reclassified. I'm getting there. So the new Latin name is actually Thaumatophyllum bipinatophyum. And again, I had to try that like five times, but it's basically been reclassified because over time, scientists have learned that the DNA of that plant is... It's just different than the philodendrons that have been classified together. And you could probably see that just based on the look of all the different philodendron, you would probably agree. So that one has been reclassified. But as a plant enthusiast, this plant will always be the lacy leaf philodendron. And that is not going to change. And philodendron is a lot easier to say than that other word that I'm not going to say again because I said it earlier. <laughs> so I know it's been reclassified, but the information is still valid. The plant hasn't changed, just the name has changed. So I'm going to put it in this philodendron podcast just because when you search philodendron varieties, that guy still comes up with a lot of the different blog posts and website articles out there. So this lacy tree philodendron has a habit of actually not climbing. 
It's one of the philodendron that kind of stays in a shrub-like form. It has very, very deeply cut green leaves that spread from a central crown. They become super relaxed in structure and they can actually get up to six feet wide in your house. So if you want this guy, make sure you have room for him. But it's so rewarding because they are super easy to take care of. The fact that it doesn't climb is actually an advantage because then you don't have to stake it. You don't have to maintain it that way. And it actually looks super similar to a Monstera. There are obvious differences. The Monstera has more of a rounded leaf versus this has more of a triangular pointy leaf. But just like the Monstera, this guy does produce aerial roots. Those aerial roots aren't really used to climb, but you can tuck them back into the soil or you can just leave them. It's basically just to absorb and soak up more moisture in the air. If you can avoid cutting them off, that's best. And if you want to just stick them back in the soil or just leave them, that just overall helps the health of the plant. So that's kind of the information on the growth habit of the lacy tree philodendron. So the sunlight this guy needs is moderate light. It doesn't like to be in full sunlight. They are naturally natively in a little bit more shade, kind of an understory plant. So moderate light is fine. There are benefits to putting it in a little bit more light in the summer and a little bit less light in the winter. But if you live in the Midwest, like I do, Mother Nature does it for you. So you don't really have to worry about it. It doesn't like being in the total dark, so give it a little bit of light. But if you're just putting it off of a window, that's fine. Or you can do a north window because that never gets direct sunlight. It only gets bright indirect light. So that would be an ideal window to put it into. In regards to watering this plant, I would let the first couple inches dry out before watering. This plant doesn't like to be overwatered. It doesn't handle it very well, but it doesn't like to be completely dry out all the time. Now, granted, if you had to do one or the other, letting it dry out more would be better than overwatering it. But overall, just let the first few inches dry out before you water it again. And according to the complete houseplant survival manual by Barbara Pleasant, which I've brought up several times, it says that the middle of the plant tends to dry out, so a rehydration water can benefit it. And just to kind of explain what a rehydration water is, it's when you take the whole potted plant and place it in a bucket or a container full of water and you let that sit for about 30 minutes and then you allow the plant to drain overnight ideally. So that's what the rehydration watering is. If you want to know how you would know if you should be doing a rehydration watering, You'll know because if the soil is pulling away from the sides of your pot and you're noticing there's a gap or like a gaping hole all the way around the rim of your pot and the soil, then that's kind of when you need a rehydration watering. It's not going to be pulling in the water to all of the roots that it needs to. Also, it did say online that newly repotted plants should be kept a little bit drier for the first few weeks to allow injured roots to heal. So that's a fun fact too. Okay, so in regards to fertilizing, this plant likes to be fed year-round. They are moderate feeders, so feeding them year-round and giving them a balanced houseplant fertilizer would be super beneficial. So some houseplants don't really have a lot of activity in winter, whereas philodendron actually do still grow leaves consistently. So I would definitely buy a good houseplant fertilizer or just a balanced fertilizer and keep up with that year round. 
All fertilizers are different. So whether you're getting a slow release fertilizer or a liquid fertilizer you would put in your watering can every two weeks, they all work similarly. I've always used a slow release fertilizer, but I'm actually experimenting with using a liquid fertilizer right now just because I want to give plants more consistent fertilization. It's completely up to you how you do it, but I am just experimenting a little bit and you can too. I'll let you guys know what my progress is. I've been using the liquid fertilizer only for about a month, so not a huge difference at the moment, but I think I'll find more differences possibly next year. So it all works the same. It's all fertilizer. You just got to make sure you're applying it how the instructions tell you to consistently. Okay, enough about fertilizers. A couple other random facts that I have are that you can repot this plant annually in spring to set the aerial roots in the soil, but you don't need to. It's really okay if the aerial roots are hanging out of the pot, getting air, and getting moisture from the air. And sometimes you don't want to repot a plant every year because it just doesn't need to be. So if it's not growing out of its pot and it's not totally root bound to the point where it looks like it's struggling, then you wouldn't need to. To talk about just a couple of actual cultivars and varieties, there is one called Xanado and there's another one called Hope. The Xanado is known as the dwarf version and it is a smaller growing philodendron. So if you have a smaller space, like maybe three-ish, four-ish feet that you want to cover, the Xanado is the one to go with. The Hope variety is the larger one. The Hope variety tends to get that six feet wide. So make sure you're looking at the different variety that you're thinking about buying and knowing what size it could potentially get because it could double based on the variety you want to get. Another little fact about this variety of philodendron is that you can propagate. It's just a little bit harder because you can propagate it by cutting just below a leaf node, but based on how this plant grows and since it's not vining, sometimes it's hard to reach the leaf node. And a lot of times you want to include aerial roots within a leaf node area. So if you're going to propagate, I would wait till you start to see aerial roots growing below a leaf node. That way you're getting a good root and you're getting a spot where new growth is going to come out of. I also wanted to point out that this variety of philodendron that we're reviewing right now also has a name of philodendron cellum, which is basically the same plant. There's really not a huge difference. They both have the same deeply cut leaves and grow in the similar form and habit and need the same light and water requirements. So if you look it up online, you might also find that philodendron cellum comes up. The information is still very much the same. So that wraps up the information on the lacy tree philodendron and we are going to move on to what's commonly called as the red leaf philodendron or the blushing philodendron. All right, we got an easier Latin name to pronounce. It is philodendron arabescens, which is commonly called blushing philodendron or red leaf philodendron, as I just said. And this has a pretty aggressive vining habit. This is probably one of the most trendy plants right now, 
And the specific variety that is trending the most is called Pink Princess Philodendron. You go online, you can't find it. If you do, it's hundreds of dollars. So these in their native space grow aggressively up trees and they have green leaves with red or pink undersides or variegation to them. They are native to Costa Rica and rainforests of South America and natively they can vine up to 60 feet. And sometimes they are so resilient that they can convert to epiphytic growth if it gets cut off from the ground. Epiphytic growth basically means that it can grow without roots attaching itself to the ground. It can absorb nutrients through the air, water, or rain, just as an air plant does. As a house plant, this plant can still reach up to 12 feet tall, and that's probably only because you'll allow it to get 12 feet tall, and it's just based on how big your ceilings are and how much you let it grow. So these guys natively are a shade-loving plant. They grow up trees, they're in rainforest, so they're kind of an understory plant. So they're totally fine with partial sun or moderate sunlight. Putting them in an east window is best, especially for the variegated varieties. They do need a little bit of sunlight, but they don't need direct sunlight. In fact, don't ever put them in direct sunlight because that could make their leaves turn brown and crispy. In regards to water requirements, you want to make sure this philodendron dries out before watering. So just make sure you're not overwatering. You want to make sure all the soils are dried out. If you have one of those water reading meters that you can get, I've seen them on Amazon, that'll tell you how much moisture is left in the pot if you notice that there is some moisture still left. Hang on a few days, maybe check in a couple days, see how it goes, and then water it. If you don't have the meter, If you're feeling the top of the soil and it's been probably at least a week or two before you water it and the soil on top is completely dry, almost dusty, then I would water it. Okay, so the fertilization needs of the philodendron arabescens is actually the same as the last philodendron. Year-round is preferred. They're moderate feeders and they benefit from that year-round fertilization. So like I said earlier, you could use a houseplant fertilizer, like a liquid houseplant fertilizer you put in your watering cans, or you can use a slow-release fertilizer. Whatever you prefer and what you found that works, go for it. I've used slow-release fertilizer in the past, but I'm experimenting with liquid just because that constant fertilization consistently every two weeks, just seeing how it will change things for my plants. Okay, so a couple things. If you are one of those plant enthusiasts that want to know where you can get your hands on one, there are a lot of people that sell cuttings of this plant still for hundreds of dollars. If you go on Etsy, you can probably find a couple places that are selling them. But I do know that there's one company called Bros with Hose Plant Company so cool. I've ordered plants from them before. They do a weekly restock every Wednesday at six o'clock Eastern time. They're out of Florida. They have carried Pink Princess Philodendron, but they sell it for around 250 sometimes higher, sometimes lower. I have also seen that there is a Etsy account called The Green Escape Florida. It's spelled FL, not spelling out. So if you're looking it up on Etsy, it's called The Green Escape FL. I follow them on Instagram. Super reliable guy. He puts up videos on Instagram constantly about what stock is happening, what looks good, what he's waiting for selling, all that stuff. Once in a while, he will also have a pink princess, but it's rare that he does. But that is another place you can look to. So those are the two that I know for sure have had them before. And one thing you may want to know if you have it, 
propagation is definitely something you can do on this. Since it's a vining plant, it's easy to find that leaf node and you just cut right below it like you would on a pothos, monstera, any of those. So super simple. You just stick it in water or put it in soil and keep it really moist and it will build a root system off of that. Since they're very rare, you could sell your own cuttings for lots of money. Just saying. So that's all the major facts and information I have on this. The fertilization, propagation, and everything is similar on how you do it, except this one is a vining plant. I guess I should point out that the leaf shape is different too. It doesn't have the deep cuts like the last philodendron we talked about does. It has a solid leaf and it's usually pretty triangular shaped. At the end, it's pretty pointy and they're a little bit thinner. So the leaf shape is pretty different. There are some of these philodendron that don't have a ton of variegation and there's some that they have a crazy amount of variegation. And you can manipulate it a little bit depending on your plant. So if you have a pink princess philodendron and you have this one section that has a ton of pink and you have another section that has almost nothing, you could cut it, the whole plant back to that area that has a ton of that pink variegation and the leaves will be producing from that stem that contained kind of the DNA to produce more of those pink variegations and it could potentially produce more leaves with more pink and more variation. So just a hint, if you have a plant like that and you want to make it even more spectacular, that's actually a way you can do it. All right, that is the information I have for the philodendron arabescence. So we are actually going to move on to one more variety, and that is the heartleaf philodendron. Okay, so this is the variety that actually gets super confusing because it looks almost identical to a pothos, but us plant people kind of know the difference by now. So I'm going to explain the difference in a second. This is commonly called the Hartley philodendron or the sweetheart philodendron. So cute. And one of the most popular varieties is called the Brazil philodendron. It has a amazing lime green variegation to it, which is really cool because philodendron also carry just a plain lime green, but this has that dark green with the lime green variegation. So super striking. There are not many varieties of this kind of philodendron that are variegated. So the Brazil is one of the few and far between. And it is super popular because of that variegation. And since philodendron are so easy to grow all around, they are very popular. They get very big. So it's beautiful. I have one. I'm very proud that I have one. <laughs> and it's sitting in a north window and it's doing pretty good. So the main differences between the pothos and this kind of philodendron, the philodendron scandens, is basically the leaf shape and how new growth forms. The leaf shape on this philodendron scandens is heart-shaped, obviously, and it's a little bit more rounded versus a pothos has a little bit more of a triangular shape leaf and it doesn't have the heart shape at the spot where it meets the stem like the philodendron does. I've also noticed that the areas that new growth form are slightly different between the two. On my philodendron Brazil, the new growth tends to form at the end of a stem by itself, just hanging out on the end, versus on a pothos, 
most of the time, a new leaf forms on the stem of a leaf that's already present on the plant. So it's just kind of forming next to an existing leaf. That's kind of the main two differences that I notice for sure that you can tell the difference between the two. So I guess there's one more slight difference, but I'll explain why it's not foolproof in a minute. Another one is that the variegation on a variegated pothos is a little bit more speckled versus the variegation on the philodendron is more of larger streaks. So the Brazil has very thick lines of variegation versus like a golden pothos or marble queen pothos. Those have more of a speckled variegation and it's kind of all over the leaf. That being said, it's not foolproof because there are varieties like pearls and jade pothos that have larger lines of variegation and there are varieties of philodendron that are just plain green and there are varieties of pothos that are just plain green. So if you look at the leaf shape and how the new growth is forming, that's kind of how you'll tell the difference. Also, if you wanna learn more about it and you wanna actually see the differences too, in September, I will be posting a blog post about the differences between philodendron and pothos and I'll put images up just so you can have an idea of what they'll look like. Plantarina has a great YouTube video called Philodendron and Pothos Spot the Differences, and she goes through the differences as well. So heartleaf philodendron are native to Mexico, Brazil, South America, and they are the best surviving houseplant out of all the philodendron, and they are the definitely the best one to try if you want to try a philodendron. This one has proven to me time and time again that you can put it almost anywhere except full sun. I haven't tried full sun, but I wouldn't do that. You can put it almost everywhere and it will just immediately grow new growth and it will just keep expanding. So this is definitely one that if you're not great with plants, try philodendron, but if you're really not good with plants, definitely try philodendron scandens or the heartleaf philodendron. They are a vining plant and they naturally grow up trees in the native areas. So they like to be in bright but indirect light. My Brazil philodendron, as I said earlier, is in a north-facing window and it's doing great. I also have a lime green one and just a few plain green ones that are sitting in kind of a corner, but that room has a west and a south-facing window and those are thriving. It doesn't get hit by the sun, it's just pretty bright in that room in general, but they're against the opposite wall. So those are doing great too. You can grow these up a moss pole or a wood stake or anything you want. Granted, it will take a little bit for them to adhere their roots to anything, so tie some twine around them. Just like you can do with a monstera or a pothos, you can do the same for philodendron scandens. Or you can just let them hang as you could do for those other plants. They have a brilliant cascading plant stem and they just hang all the way down to wherever you let them. So they'll grow wonderfully either way. The watering needs of the Hartley philodendron are very similar, almost the same as the philodendron arabescens. They basically just need you to let their soil dry out completely before watering. They'll droop a little bit if they're too dry, so they'll kind of tell you when they want more water desperately, but as long as you let that soil dry out completely, they'll be fine. I have let my soil dry out to the point where it's been bone dry for like a week, and they're fine. They just kind of wilt a little bit, so definitely better than overwatering. 
The difference between the Philodendron arabescens versus this one is these need a little bit higher humidity based on the research I've done and they like a little bit warmer weather. So maybe keep it out of a cold draft. Granted, I would make sure you're doing that with any tropical you have in your house, but specifically this one, keep it out of a cold draft or a window or keep it away from a cold window so it's not getting that direct cold contact. In regards to humidity, you can use a mister. That's what I do, but I also have a small humidifier I actually got from Walgreens, so you can do that too. I just use the mister for those since I have that small humidifier. I use my small humidifier on other larger plants and then my misting does the trick for these guys. Just as I said for the other plants for fertilization, it's the same for these. So year-round fertilization is best because they still keep producing leaves through the winter. And again, fertilization, it's your choice. Choose the fertilizer that you like the most. Just make sure you're using it consistently and applying it how the package wants you to. And the last piece of information I have is propagation, which is the same as the philodendron arabescence. You're just cutting below a leaf node and putting it in water for water propagation, or you can put it in soil and just keep it moist, and that works too. So not a lot of crazy differences with this one. This one is a pretty simple plant. It grows almost identical to the pothos except for those couple other differences I mentioned and has a similar growth habit to the philodendron arabescence, but the leaves are a lot smaller and the stems are a lot smaller. So that is all I have for the philodendron scandens and then we're kind of going to go into other overall philodendron facts and talk about just briefly some other varieties I didn't point out specifically for this podcast. So, some facts that apply to all philodendron are as follows. One, some people are actually allergic to the sap that is inside of a philodendron. I'm not, but I also don't know if I'm allergic to anything. I don't think I am. So far, I'm not. I mean, I'm 26 years old, so I think I would have figured it out by now. But anyway, some people do have an allergic reaction to the sap inside of there. It does cause irritation, so just be aware of that. To piggyback off that, philodendron are poisonous to humans and pets if ingested. If your cat or your dog gets a slight corner of it, it's not going to kill them. It might cause some irritation, but only large amounts ingested can cause serious problems. So if Fluffy just wanted to nibble on the end of a new leaf for some reason because it was sticking out in the right way, it's not going to kill him. Now, if the cat eats the whole plant, that could be a different story. So just be aware of that and keep it out of the reach of children or pets or adults who like to chew on plants too. Okay, these plants do flower, but don't expect them to flower indoors. They have a similar flower to a Diffenbachia or like a peace lily. So that's the kind of flower they'll have. It's just not super common, but these plants are so pretty without it. Really not needed, in my humble opinion. <laughs> okay, the next piece of information I wanted to give you is for those people that really want to try houseplants. This is definitely one to try, but if you're also one of those people that has to move your plant around, for example, my sister tends to move plants around too much. Like she had an African violet that didn't make it, and I swear to God, it went in every room in her apartment. And then now she had a Schifflera that was up in a really, really bright, it's kind of a west-facing area, and she moved it in a space that was a different kind of light. Now, to be fair, she did move it back to that west-facing room, so props to you, sis. You did the right thing. (laughs) 
Sometimes those kinds of plants don't like it when you do that, but philodendron, you can. So I have experience with that. This philodendron Brazil that I've had, I've had it in this north window for a very long time, but I also had it in a west window and it was thriving in both times. Honestly, I have seen more new leaves produced now than I did in the west window. So who knows? It just depends on where you want it. You don't necessarily have to make the plant a priority because it can survive with moving it all over the place. So that's great. Another situation I had was at the garden center I used to work at, we had really, really, really big philodendron cellums and those things were probably four feet wide. And we had them in the greenhouse literally all summer, really hot, really humid. We brought them inside the garden center, which does not have really any bright light anywhere. It's got some windows with the glass doors. It's got some windows off to the side, but because of all of the staging that's happening in there, they don't really get much light. If anything, it's incandescent light. So we moved it from the greenhouse to the store. Almost no difference. The plant looked awesome all winter long and One of my coworkers cleaned off the leaves and it just was so shiny and so nice. So these are one of those plants that you really don't have to worry about moving it into five different spaces to figure out where you like it the best because it will work almost anywhere. So just thought I'd share that piece of information. That fact was also provided in the complete houseplant survival manual by Barbara Pleasant as well. So it's not just me proving it. I got Barbara proving it too. Okay, in another random fact, philodendron is loosely translated to tree-loving, hence the vining. Isn't that cool? And usually I start out talking about the family of this plant way in the beginning, but I just mentioned it earlier with the flower, but it's part of the Araceae family, and that family also contains Diffenbachia, Monstera, Anthurium, and all of them have a very, very similar flower to them. So that is the random facts about philodendron. So I mentioned that I would talk about other varieties that I didn't get to. So there are a plethora of philodendron that are completely man-made hybrids that have come from all the different varieties like the lace tree philodendron or the blushing philodendron. So there are varieties out there like moonlight philodendron, which is a very, very lime green philodendron that I actually have. I got it from Bros with Hose. Shout out to them. That has a very similar leaf to the blushing philodendron, a little bit thinner, a little bit triangular, but it has the growth of the lace, the lacy tree philodendron. So it doesn't vine, it just sits within its space, kind of like a a bird's nest type Sansevieria would. It just kind of sits in its own core structure. Another really popular one that has that same structure is the Rojo Congo philodendron, or some people just call it the Red Congo philodendron. That has red stems and red undersides of leaves. I was actually shopping at Milliger's in Racine. They have the biggest and coolest Red Congo philodendron. They are probably maybe four feet tall from the top of the pot to the top of the plant four feet tall. I'm talking huge. And the leaves are probably like close to two and a half feet long. Gorgeous. So that's another one that's considered kind of the hybrid philodendron. There's another really popular one called Prince of Orange philodendron. And that is very similar to the Rojo Congo philodendron. It just has orange leaves instead of the red. And the older leaves are a little bit more lime green, 
versus the Rojo Congo, the older leaves are a little bit brighter, deeper green. So there's more than just that out there, but those are a few of the very, very popular ones. Moonlight, Prince of Orange, and Rojo Congo are what I have worked with and what I can find pretty easily. The last variety I'm going to talk about, again, there are more out there, but the last one I'm going to talk about that I've seen everywhere that is very, very popular is called Mikan's Philodendron. This one is very similar growth habit to Philodendron scandens, but it has a velvety leaf and it's commonly known as the velvet leaf philodendron. It has a very soft leaf. It almost has like an iridescent look to it. It almost has like a brownish greenish color leaf and the newer leaves have a reddish brown tinge to them. So that is another variety as well. It has the same growth requirements and it looks very similar to a philodendron scandin. So if you want to research that one, for sure, go for it. It's super similar to philodendron scandins and how it grows though. Thank you so much for listening to episode 14 of Houseplant Homebody, all about the very many faces of the philodendron. And this is just a reminder that you can find more on houseplant-homebody.com or follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC. And don't forget to join me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Your support means everything, and I can't wait to continue bringing you guys more and more plant bios and info. Don't forget to check back every other Tuesday for more podcasts. From one houseplant homebody to another, see you next time. Hello, everyone. I thought I'd stop on and tell you a couple of the new things I'm going to be doing. Confirmed it this past week. I am going to be, one, doing an official newsletter every first of the month. You can go on my website, houseplant-homebody.com, and sign up for it there. And I'm only going to be doing the one email a month for now. Just has different information on it than the social media or anything else that I provide. The second thing I'm going to be doing is a blog, which is also going to be on my website. So, that will also have different information than the newsletter or social media as well. That will also include posts about the podcast. So a lot of the information that will be in the podcast will also be in the blog post. So if you listen to the podcast and then you want to remember, oh, what am I supposed to be doing for humidity for this plant? You can check out the plant bio blog posts too. So those will be new starting beginning of September. Go to my website, sign up for the newsletter, and check out the blog posts when they start popping up in September. They're going to have a lot of fun information and new information on them, so that'll be really cool. Another thing that I know I mentioned on social media is that these podcasts are going to be cut down to every two weeks instead of every week simply because I have a full-time job planning a wedding, um, helping my sister run a nonprofit, running an art business, Etsy business on the side. So there's a few things going on on top of this that it just seemed appropriate for me to be doing it every two weeks. Plus, I can focus on that blog content for you guys and additional information than just the podcast. So I'm excited about all that. Hope you guys are too. And I will talk to you soon.